Hello, and welcome to KPMG's Global Pulse of Fintech podcast series, where we connect with fintech leaders and entrepreneurs, pioneering new innovations and driving growth in the financial services sector. I'm Perdita Avery, your host, and today I'm joined by KPMG's Anton Ruddenclaw, who recently sat down with Vishal Maria, CEO and founder of Quantexa, to discuss their funding journey and how Quantexa is connecting data to help banks make better decisions. Anton, over to you. Hi, everyone. My name is Anton Ruddenclaw. I'm the Global Head of Vintech for KPMG International. Uh, really good to spend some time today with Vishal Maria, who is the CEO of Quantexa, which is one of the best fintech firms that have come out of the UK in recent years. Vishal, it'd be great to hear a little bit of background on yourself, please. Perfect. And, and again, a massive um, thanks, um, Anton, for, for having me on today. Yeah, as, as you mentioned, Vishal Maria, CEO and founder here at Quantexa. My background, got a first class degree in computer science and a master's in information security. So started off my career very much on the technical side, uh, joined a company called Dedica, which was a publicly listed UK company at the time when I joined and went through a number of different roles at Dedica, uh, mainly using a data and analytics in supporting many organizations globally in their fight against financial crime. Then joined a company called SaaS, which is the largest privately owned analytics software globally, then became an executive director at EY, where I led the compliance IT practice here in the UK. And it was really at the firm where I came up with the idea of Quantexa and started Quantexa on the 1st of March 2016. Quantexa now just coming up to our six year anniversary and we are around 450 employees worldwide. We are supporting over 8,000 end users on our platform. And our real mission is to support our clients uh, in connecting data together so they can make better informed decisions. We started off life here at Contexto in tackling financial crime, but more and more our clients have taken us outside of financial crime in supporting them in decision making around credit risk, around customer intelligence and data management right across the enterprise. Thanks for that context. And uh, looking back five years ago, how did you recognize the problems that you're now solving? It came, I would say, in two different situations, but actually had the same problem. Two incredibly large global banks tackling uh, financial crime challenges. And and what I saw firsthand, uh, Anton, was that people were trying to make a decision to determine if this customer was a money launderer by looking at a very narrow set of data. So in in one instance, the the organization that I was working closely with was getting hundreds of thousands of these alerts coming from their traditional rules-based AML systems. And they were looking at these alerts. and, And the first thing that they were doing was manually piecing together the data, looking at the last six or nine months of transactional history, just to understand the picture of this actual customer, and then in 99% times, a false positive. So my sort of hypothesis was, surely you will be more effective and more efficient if I just simply turn the problem upside down. If I can connect the data, both internally and externally to the organization, 
and then apply the best of machine learning and AI on top of that connected view of the data, I actually looked in the market to see had anyone cracked this problem in a real-time dynamic way in the market at that time. I don't know if you ever watched the film Indiana Jones and, and The Last Crusade, that moment when Harrison Ford took a step back to, to actually put his foot forward on a plank that he couldn't see, saying, actually, is there a plank there and move forward? It was almost a bit of a moment like that where I resigned from the firm and I took the brave step with a lot of consultation with my wife and family to say, actually, I'm going to take a, a bet on this and I'm going to start my own company. And that's what, what I did. And as, as always, it always comes down to the people. So I, I quickly got together some of the best in the industry that I had worked with, people who trusted me and, and more importantly, I trusted them uh, and brought together the best on this hypothesis. And, and as I say, the rest is all, all now history. When you kicked off the business, did you bootstrap it? Did you have some angel investors who had the same view as you? How, how did you kind of make that work? We bootstrapped the company for the first 12 months between the founders and, and myself. So I put in some hard cash at the beginning. And, you know, this was a brave step, right? This is a lot, again, a lot of consultation with my wife. You know, she, she was very much behind me and the rest of the founders as well took a big, brave step. We were all in this journey together. And, you know, the, the, the key thing in building a product and taking to market is getting that market validation. Anton, it was in the first nine months, you know, I was in a request for proposal with one of the biggest banks on the planet where I was testing the MVP of our product with some of the largest tech companies on the planet. And when we won that process and we won that RFP, you know, it was not just market validation. It was self-validation that what we were creating was game changing. And um, and that was the point, Anton. We we took investment and we we entered our Series A. So so just coming back uh, before we go into the the funding journey, just coming back uh, to take on your first sort of pieces of market validation. How did that work and who was uh, sort of the person on the other side who really understood what you were trying to do and said, right, I'm going to get behind context. So it seems like this is good for us. How did that work? We knew of the challenges that organizations were having around connecting data together in a transparent and scalable fashion. Because as you know, in financial crime, being able to go through model validation, model governance, ensuring you had transparency on the connection and the analytics was quite critical. So understanding that problem itself allowed us to get through door one, door two, door three within an organization. And dare I say, it, there was a few open door conversations because everyone got what we're doing and everyone's saying, well, surely that's what we need to do. But as you know, these are large regulated organizations. So being able to even do contracting, you know, let alone you've got a business sponsor, an IT sponsor who gets what you're doing and has the budget, but being able to be onboarded was a whole other problem. You know, a company that had six months of track record of business was, was a huge challenge. And dare I say it, Anton, a lot of it, we were trading off our relationship. We were trading that, you know, it was Vishal Marriott behind this or, you know, the, the other founders. You know, there was a lot of credibility in the team to allow us to at least have the procurement conversation. But again, 
that was another three or six months just doing the procurement process, which again, back in in my different firms that I'd worked in, we never had those challenges. So a, a couple of questions. You know, you start off with your MVP. You obviously have a, a bigger vision for your business. How do you, how do you get that product roadmap to, to to stick, or is it very much listening to what your clients are saying and and course correcting with them? Which comes first? The, the linear roadmap or that kind of agile sort of test and iterate approach? It, it's a combination, to be fair, Anton. And it's a combination of exactly what you said of client demand, market demand. So we spend a lot of time with analysts, a lot of time listening to what the market is saying at the same time as listening to what our clients say. Competition, you always need to keep an eye on competition. And we absolutely did. But another key part to um, the, the roadmap is our partners, the partner ecosystem. We have a quite a rigorous product management R&D function that has a huge gating process to understand. One thing I always, always stay close to, is this a requirement just for one institution or is this a requirement for the market? And sometimes, Anton, those were some of the hardest decisions when we said no to business. So it was really important that we stayed close to all of those different pillars. But more importantly, we had a criteria of the requirement or the capability that ended up back into R&D. This is a successful business because we made some of those hard decisions and we continue to make those hard decisions based upon what's right for the market, not just what's right for one or two clients. Going to the other side of the equation, you started to talk around your funding life cycle and you mentioned bootstrap with your own cash initially. And obviously you've gone through you know, several rounds of funding since. Talk to me about what that's like as a as a CEO and founder. Is that a continual BAU um, agenda item for you? Yeah, you know, what's in your mind as you walk through this this process? We've completed successfully four rounds of funding. And in each round, um, first thing I will say, it's a great opportunity for any CEO and founder to reflect on what is the value of your business. The other thing I would say around any investment round I've done, it has really allowed me to have a critical view of the business itself, what's working and more importantly, what's not working. Every time we've done a round, I've always sat down and said, what did we learn from this round? What do we need to correct between now and the next round? And mm. those become strategic objectives that I'm accountable to the board to fix or to remedy to ensure we continually grow at the successful rate that we're doing. So it's a really critical point every time we've done a round is to reflect on the value of the business and reflect on what can you do better for the next round to ensure you're maximizing value. Now, coming back to the round itself, you know, the first round I did, Anton, I was yeah. running the business as well as raising capital. It was probably one of the most stressful times of my entire career um, was the investment round, the Series A round. And then it got better Series B and Series C. And, and then even if I look at Series D now, what we did, we opened the data room and within 48 hours, I got my first term sheet. Within two weeks, we had four term sheets that I was ready to move on. And we closed the entire round, round down in 25 days and we opening the data room. So every round, it got better and better. But I still come back to the first investment round. That first time we got some money into the context of business, it was incredibly stressful. And any CEO who's going to go and do one, um, or, uh, do do an investment round, it's so important that you give it a process, 
It's almost like an RFP. You must run this as a process because time can go very quickly and you're still running the business and you're still burning cash. When you're dealing with the, you know, the the venture capital firms, and I think you've got some strategic investors, some banks in there as as well. What do you take away from those those interactions with them? For example, you know, KPMG. When we speak to our clients, we we talk around the fact that data led organisations are commanding multiples much more than a, a bog standard fintech or regtech firm. But you know, what have been some of the key kind of learning points from those discussions with your investors that? Are useful for people to understand. When you look at the segmentation of your firm in the different areas of investment, it's very important that you have your metrics displayed in a way to ensure that an investor can easily digest and also for an investor to departmentalize your company in the different segments, especially when you're in series A, series A plus or series B, because at that time you're still making the business, you're still making the market. And more importantly, you do not have that many customers or clients or users because of the infancy of your business. So it's really critical that as a as a CEO and founder for the VC, you are you are showing the correct metrics that are important for the VC to digest. One thing I would also unpack is it's so important that you're not just talking about today, but you're also talking about the vision that you are going to fulfill and execute. Because in all of these areas, it all comes down to the execution and the people behind that execution. And what we did incredibly well, we didn't just talk about the problem we were solving today when we did Series A, but we talked about how we can take the capability and solve other problems, not just in financial services, but in government, in telco, in oil and gas and other sectors that we know these problems exist, but are not being addressed. And that gives a lot of comfort to a VC when they're looking at upturns and downturns in markets. We saw 2008, we saw what the financial crisis can do for companies, but showing that you are resilient, not just in financial services, but you also work in the public sector, you also work in the telco and so on and so forth, gives that comfort. So can you can you walk me through some of those examples of either the uh, you know the new cohorts of customers that you'll target or how you're using your network analysis to expand if i stay within financial services for a wee second then i'll come out of financial sure. services within banks we started off as you know in aml and fraud and we've done incredibly well in anti-money laundering and anti-fraud now what we've been able to do incredibly well in the last two stroke three years now is take that capability and address for our clients, other problems that they have in things such as customer intelligence. So we, you, uh, we talked about customer profitability, but again, using the connected view of the data, we know who your customers are by the connected view of the data. But then taking that connected view of the data and adding um, external data like Dun & Bradstreet, we can then see, okay, through your connected view of your customer data, who are the other customers around the connected view of your data that you don't bank? So the unbanked subsidiaries of companies that you you bank, let's look at those cohort of customers, and then you can start addressing those. The other one that we're getting a lot of traction is the pure data management capabilities that's inherent in Quantex's platform. 
So just understanding your customer, the 360 view of your customer, the data uh, management capabilities of looking at your non-customers and your customers, again, is huge value for many of our clients. And then the final piece that we're getting, again, a lot of traction is the whole digitalization of your customer onboarding process around your KYC not just looking at KYC, but looking at perpetual KYC around the customer triggers to see which customers do you need to review and those customers that you don't need to review. And that's not just important from a cost point of view, but it's incredible from a customer satisfaction point of view. Because the last thing your customers want to do when they haven't changed their patterns, they haven't changed their ownership structure, is to be bothered by a relationship manager asking them to um, send in more documentation. But now coming outside of financial services, we're seeing a huge appetite for things around supply chain and supply chain resilience. Many of our clients within financial services and outside of financial services are looking at the context of platform to understand and the supply chain of their customers. If that goes into manufacturing, into shipping or other areas, those are huge impact that the pandemic has provided. And then just laying down that as a foundation, there's risk elements to it, as well as opportunity element to it when you look at the supply chain as well. Yeah, that certainly chimes with our house view that the banks with trade finance have painted themselves into a corner for, for quite a few years. They were the financing elements, but actually the power is in connecting financing with logistics, with accounting, with operations, with customer demand. And just talk us a little bit more around being con- uh, context-driven, because I think this is one of your kind of big selling points, isn't it? Real-time, providing information when required, as opposed to just providing data. Um, so how did you kind of arrive at that at that epiphany moment for for context so that's quite different from thin crime and false positives that you started off on context is critical anton for any decision making if you're making a decision on half the truth you're basically making a decision on half the lie at the heart of our platform is building context how we go about doing that is a capability called entity resolution and network generation entity resolution is the process where we are determining is this record talking about the same entity as this record. And once you know that, that allows you to get a better view of the entity. And then applying the network view, say, okay, we now know this entity. This entity is Vishal Maria. He's 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 a male based in London. He has an income of X. He, um, you know, he's got a career in data and blah, blah. That's a view of the entity. That's a view of Vishal Maria. Now, When you look at the network context, you now suddenly say, okay, Vishal Maria, he owns this property here in London. That's his home. He's a director of this company called Contexa. That gives you this view. And now he also um, owns three other companies that are also very profitable. That gives you a whole different view of Vishal Maria. Vishal Maria as an entity, you knew he lived in London. Vishal Maria, the entity that's the director of these companies and also owns these properties and he's married and he's this and he's that, that gives you a whole different view of Vishal Maria. That's context. How you would treat Vish to Vishal Maria, this director, is very different. Now, you're absolutely spot on, Anton. What we do, we can create that view, that context view that I've just described, both in batch and in real time. And we're the only platform that can do the two and serve it up using the same data in batch and in real time. Because there are some use cases 
that you need it in real time. You're onboarding a customer, you want that information in real time. But okay, if you're looking at money laundering, that's not a real time event. Tell me your top 10 money launderers in the bank. You can take a day to do that. So you want to have best of both. And what we've pioneered here at Contexa is that capability can run both in batch and real time and support those different use cases. We, we certainly see um, on the real time lending moving from being a point of time activity to being much more real time or at least influenced by real time. I think you use the phrase triggers or events earlier on. I assume that's at the heart of your credit risk proposition that you're looking to have the, the right types of lending available for the right situations on a forward looking basis as opposed to a backward looking. Absolutely, Anton. And, you know, we've done a lot of research not just on the tech side, but the use case side around credit risk. One of the key investment areas that we're putting our, our money and energy in is around credit risk. So how do you, not just a point in time looking back, but at this point in time, looking at the full context of this potential customer, or this potential entity, provide the best credit to that particular entity? And that entity, again, is not just the individual. Where we see the, the opportunity as well is around the corporate, the, the SME, the dry cleaner, all the way up to the, the, mid, the mid-sized corporates around how do you best supply them with the right products, the right services, the right facilities to ensure that you are maximizing the value for that customer within the credit uh, journey. The other key point, coming back to supply chain, we look at not just looking at the positives around the supply chain, but also where there could be stress on the supply chain and how can an organization support those entities which are going in a stress moment to ensure that we can support them in a much more effective and efficient way. So it's both sides of the coin, the opportunity, but also supporting the uh, community when it's going into stress as well. And where are your thoughts on the opportunity for more connected thinking around ESG? That that must be something that's on your product roadmap with your capabilities. Totally. I mean, I don't think there's any C-suite today who are not thinking about ESG. And, you know, we we continue to invest, continue to partner to be fair um, on this particular topic, because I don't think anyone has the full answer around ESG. But the critical point here is partnering with the likes of HSBC and others around those products and services around ESG. Something we have invested in since pretty much day one of Contexa is our great work we do uh, with our clients around tackling um, problems such as human trafficking, sex trafficking, when it comes down to not just looking at the supply chain, but also the, the impact to the community and society itself. And again, that's something we continue to invest both at the product level, but also with our clients in determining some of those organized crime gangs and detecting things such as human trafficking and sex trafficking. It's an interesting development. You're the first firm that I've I've spoken to have been thinking like that. Now, tell me about talent. So you started off, you know, day one, few founders. You've now got, um, I think you said, over 400 people in the business. How have you retained your founding vision the culture that you want to see in a, in a business which is now effectively a mini corporate as opposed to a startup? A great, great question, Anton. And when the pandemic hit us, hit all of us in March 2020, Context was 180 people as we entered the pandemic. And as I said earlier, we're over 450 now. So we've grown the company pretty much virtually. We've doubled the company uh, pretty much virtually. And for me, culture lives in us. And 
one of the challenges that the board always gives me is how do you scale the culture? How do you continue to scale this culture? Because, you know, when you're 10 people sitting next to each other, dare I say, it's quite easy to do. <laughs> but when you are, so when you've got a team that, you know, are in, you know, 30 different countries across the world, supporting lots and lots of clients and lots and lots of users all over the world, being able to scale that culture is a, is a big challenge. It's always about the people. And the people, not just within Quantexa, the people are at our client base. It's our users. It's our partners. It's our, it's our developers. It's, it's the investors. It's ensuring we are bringing everyone together on this common goal. Now, if I come back to some of the key points when we were you know, 30, 50, 60 people, we are all very determined people. And being determined is not necessarily a, you know, a bad thing. Being determined and being focused around being determined is very important. Being ambitious is also very critical to our success. We're not just looking at today's problem. We're also trying to solve tomorrow's problem. Teamwork is a critical part. Teamwork, not just again within Quantexa, but teamwork outside uh, in our partners, with our users, our clients and so on is so critical. And being accountable. We are all accountable for our culture. We are all accountable to doing the right thing. And doing the right thing can be quite a cliche, but you know, coming back to you know, saying no to business, that was doing the right thing for Contexa. It's doing the right thing for the Contexa community, which is our clients, our investors, our partners. You know, these are cr critical stakeholders in the Contexa business. So Culture is very important. Now you get the culture right, it helps in the attraction and bringing on new employees, but it also helps retaining. And it's so important that retention is right at the top of the leadership team's criteria and our, uh, and our vision to ensure that we're not just attracting the best, but we're also retaining the best that got us here today. And then how do you do the re the retention bit? Because, you know, here we are sitting in the middle of the great resignation. In my lifetime, I've never seen more people move around organisations than ever right now. So what, what's your secret sauce there? Our attrition is very, very low. It's And, and, and again, I think that comes down to we as an organisation uh, continue to solve some of the hardest challenges for our clients, the, some of the hardest problems. And that's exciting. You know, that's exciting because we're all bettering our careers. We, you know, we live on meritocracy within Quantexa. If you're good enough and you're bold enough, we will give you that responsibility. We, we give that responsibility, but we also reward our employees. Now, reward is not just, you know, more salary, more bonus. The reward is a whole package that, you know, sets it true for any of our um, family members in the context of team to ensure they're being successful. That sounds fantastic. It's good learnings for, for the rest of us on, on that point on talent. Um, I know we're coming up to time. Any final words of wisdom for, for others that are interested in things that we've not covered today that you'd like to share? Yeah, uh, uh, words of wisdom. Uh, it makes me feel very old now to, to, to be able to do that. Um, but I, I would say some words of wisdom, it's different in different journeys of the context uh, uh, journey to date, right? So when we were one year old, 18 months old, cash is king. I cannot stress enough 
cash is king. Make sure you get, you're on top of the money's coming in, not just what you're selling. If I look at the next phase of the business, you know, looking at the vision, the total addressable market, ensuring a direct link between uh, product innovation to your clients, to your partners, to your shareholders becomes a real critical part. And making sure that vision is going backwards and forwards, but you are setting that in place is also critical. Another part at that stage of the journey is saying no, saying no to things which are not core to strategy and not and will diversify us is one of the hardest jobs I have here at Contexa. And then the third piece, which is a journey I'm going through right now, is scale. Anything I do with the leadership team, the first thing that comes down is scale, 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 everything we do. Um, we're 450 people. We're going to get to 800 people over the next 18 to 24 months. It's scale. So that's another key part. And I'm going through that myself right now today. So any words of wisdom people are hearing back to me around scale, my ears are always open. But I will come down to two things which have always helped me in my career and helped me here at Contexa. Don't be stubborn. I'm not a stubborn man. I will listen to every single employee or every single investor or every single partner. I will make the decision and I will stand firm to my decision, but I'm not, um, I'm not a stubborn man. And the second thing, which is very connected to this focus, 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 focus. It's so important in a, in a hyper competitive market we sit in where technology is disrupting everything we do. Staying focused is so important. Thanks, Fisher. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Anton. That was Vishal Maria of Quantexa in conversation with KPMG's global head of fintech, Anton Ruddenclaw. Join us again soon for more insights from fintech leaders and innovators. You can also stay up to date with KPMG's Pulse of Fintech report, covering global deal trends across the industry. Visit home.kpmg slash fintechpulse.